Hello, welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and we're listening to Jane the Ripper by Danielle Nabert. This psychological suspense pits two strong women against each other as Detective Maggie Shepard hunts for a serial killer who's taking out men. One reviewer says, It's easy to like the murderer. She has a reason for her rage and her targeting of victims. Let's begin the story so you can decide for yourself which woman you're rooting for. So get comfy, turn up the volume, and let's read a book. Officer Kelp hated these kinds of calls. A dead animal in the woods wasn't his idea of police work. But in Willow Springs, Wisconsin, what did he expect? At least here, his wife didn't have to worry about him getting hurt on the job. The one and only time was when old man Durrell punched him during a barroom brawl that Kelp was trying to break up. And all he got was a small bruise on his cheek and a big bruise on his ego. Kelp rolled down his window and took a deep breath of the crisp autumn air. He wished his shift was already over. He could smell Lake Michigan and swore it was calling to him to get in some walleye fishing before the cold weather set in. Kelp didn't care for the ice fishing around here, as standing out in the cold wasn't his idea of fun. He'd rather sit back, drink a cold beer, and watch the waves roll lazily onto the shore. The radio crackled and brought Kelp's attention back to the matter at hand. He shook his head and paid more attention to his surroundings. He thought he should be close to where the animal was supposed to be. He rounded the curve and saw a woman waving her hands frantically. He pulled over to the side of the road, got out, and looked around, not spotting any animal dead or alive. Great, he thought. Just another drunk woman looking for company. He grimaced at the thought of keeping company like this one. What you doing? The woman staggered over to him, trying to keep her tattered robe closed with one hand and struggled with a scruffy-looking poodle in the other. I don't see any animals here, ma'am, Kelp said politely. I never said it was on the side of the road. I said there was a dead animal about here, she snapped. Well, if you could show me approximately where this animal is, I'll clean it up for you. Kelp thought this old dame was either hallucinating or just plain lonely, as there was no evidence of any dead animal around. I don't know where, whatever you said. I just know it's over there in the woods. If you open your fool's eyes and look, you'll see my Trixie's prints. The woman pointed down to the ground, her robe falling open, revealing her skinny white legs. Kelp averted his eyes from this unwanted peep show and looked down at the ground. Sure enough, there were Trixie's bloody paw prints leading out from the woods. The woman leaned towards Kelp. He smelled the distinct odor of old whiskey and body odor reeking from her pores. He stepped back, fanned at his face to rid himself of the smell. His nose wrinkled slightly. Well, are you going to stand there all day? Yes, ma'am. I mean, no, ma'am. Kelp quickly went to the back of his squad car and opened the trunk. He reached in and grabbed an old tarp, gloves, and a garbage bag. He slammed down the trunk of the car and walked towards the woods, following Trixie's bloody path. He left the woman still jabbering at him as he walked away. He waved a hand at her, signaling that he was getting on with his job. He mumbled under breath about how women and whiskey didn't mix.
Felt pushed aside small tree limbs that slapped into his face. He stumbled over a couple fallen branches, scuffing up his newly polished boots. He tried to keep one eye on Trixie's path, another on the tree branches that seemed out to get him. At least that damn dog left a nice, clear path for him to follow. Her bloody prints were almost a straight path. Kelp chuckled. Probably more straight than that old bitch had walked in years. A fly landed on his face. He swatted at it. Another one flew by his ear. Cripes, there were sure a lot of flies around here, he thought as he swatted at another. Kelp tripped over something on the ground. As he started to fall, he lost hold of the items he was carrying. Damn it to hell, he yelled as he fell face down into a mattress of old leaves and dirt. He pulled himself up and stopped mid-motion. His mouth dropped open and shut with a snap, as his deep breath pulled in a rank stink, rocking him in shock at the sight. No more than a foot away was what was left of a face, terror in its eyes. Kelp gulped in air, his stomach churning as his eyes were drawn to a naked body lying in front of him. He couldn't take his eyes off the mutilated body. The corpse grinned from ear to ear, a large, bloody slash. Around the neck was a nylon cord, knotted neatly on the Adam's apple. Kelp's eyes wandered down the body, and on the chest were stab wounds, large and small. One nipple was completely cut off. Other hung in a small piece of gristle. The hands were neatly folded in a mock prayer, with the wrists bound with duct tape. Kelp gasped when he saw the pelvic area, where once was this body's crowning glory was now a bloody stump. The penis had been cut in half, and around the stump, duct tape hung loosely. Kelp saw the rest of the penis taped around the left ankle. At the body's feet was its clothing folded neatly, as if ready for the next day's wear. On top of the clothes was a wallet and shoes. Kelp crawled backwards from the body, never taking his eyes from it. He finally pushed himself to his feet. He staggered over to a nearby bush and vomited up his breakfast. Oh, fuck. Man, fuck! Kelp whispered to himself as he wiped the drool of vomit onto his sleeve. His stomach threatened with a deep rumble. He stumbled backwards, turned and fled through the woods, looking back every so often to where he left the corpse. Chapter 2 Jane woke up suddenly, her pulse racing, her palms wet and her throat dry and sore. She scanned the room to make sure of her surroundings. Her yellow curtain swayed gently in the morning breeze. Hers? The yellow throw rugs on the otherwise bare wood floor? Yes. Hers? and the small ducks lined up neatly on the yellow and white dresser she painted herself one afternoon. Yes, all hers. She felt safe now. She was in her own bedroom, in her own house. She smiled. Jane threw the yellow coverlet off and swung her feet onto the floor. She stretched her arms tall over her head before standing, and with a frown on her face, she quickly made up the bed, making sure that not one wrinkle was shown. Satisfied with the bed, she went into the bathroom to get ready for the day. Jane showered, shampooed, and brushed her teeth with precise care. After she was done with her own care, she immediately started cleaning the bathroom before she got dressed. Not a spot of water was allowed in the shower stall, 
and the faucets winked with an unnatural shine. Happy that the bathroom looked like it was never used, she went back into her bedroom to dress. In her natural brown and gray clothing, Jane was ready for the day. She quickly went through each room, looking under the couch and chair to make sure no dust balls had accumulated while she slept. She watered her green profusion of plants by the kitchen window, caressing the leaves like a pet. Satisfied that the house was in perfect order, she left the house, checking the door twice to make sure the house was secure. Jane stopped at the local diner, Linda's Eats, for breakfast. She had been coming to the cafe for the past year, every morning before work. She had the same breakfast every morning. Two eggs up, not runny, two slices of bacon, and one piece of toast. Her only difference in the meal was either coffee or tea. This morning was coffee, black with two drops of real milk, never cream, only milk. After her meal, Jane sat back in the booth reading the morning paper. She usually liked the silence of the diner in the morning, but today it was unusually loud. The factory guys had come for shift change and were loud and, in her opinion, dirty. Jane saw one of the men with his eyes on her, the same one who had been glancing up at her for the past couple of weeks. But today, he got up from his stool with his coffee cup and waddled over to her. He leaned on her table, his big, beefy arms covering the paper she was reading. Jane looked up at this uninvited guest. Smiling with yellow, dingy teeth, he spoke to her. How's it going? Pardon me, Jane said quietly. I said, how's it going? He sat down across from Jane and offered a large, filthy hand. I'm Paul Stone. Jane was taken back by this man's assumption that she wanted his company. You know, I've seen you someplace before. Just can't figure out where. Paul sipped loudly off his coffee and grabbed Jane's pot to pour some more. Jane gave him a slight smile. The library? She worked as a librarian at Willow Springs' one and only library in town. Yeah, it could be. I don't go there much myself, but I take the kid, you know? Yes, Jane nodded. Yeah, that's it. You're the one who helped my boy out with his book report. I remember now. You are real nice to him. Paul threw his arm over the booth top, revealing a nude woman's tattoo. You know something? You're a real looker. Got a boyfriend? Jane blushed. No. Looking for one? Paul grinned. No. Excuse me, I... Why not? Pretty little thing like you should have a boyfriend. You know, like if any guy gets too fresh with you, your boyfriend could handle it. Paul guffawed to himself. Excuse me, I'm late for work. Jane stood up. Ah, come on, it's early yet. Sit with me a while. Have some coffee. Paul poured coffee in Jane's cup. See? Now you gotta finish that. Not good to waste, you know. I'm sorry. I really have to get going, Jane said with a nervous flap of her hands. Paul grabbed her wrist and tugged. I said, have another cup of coffee. Jane sat down, holding her purse to her breast. You know, I could be your boyfriend. I'd be really nice to you. I'd show you a really good time. I'm flattered, but 
Jane twisted her purse strap. Flattered? But damn, don't you talk fancy. Paul laughed loudly. Jane stared at this huge man who had rudely interrupted her morning. Her insides writhed. She felt herself getting angry, and she didn't like being angry. She swallowed her emotions and smiled at this grotesque man. She usually didn't look for men this way, but she could play his game, she thought. She was better at it than these foolish men anyway. Does this mean you'll be paying for my meal? Jane asked him with a bold stare. Why, sure, honey. I make really good money. I'll buy you anything you like. Well, almost anything. Paul's grin went from ear to ear now that Jane was staying and talking to him. Jane slid the bill over to him. You said you have a son. Doesn't that mean you are married? Hell no. I have a boy, not a wife. I had a wife, but she died a few years ago. We live with my sister, and she's sort of like a mom to him, you know? I work a lot of hours and such that I really don't get to see the kid much or get, you know, to go out on dates. I see. Jane leaned towards him. So tell me more. Really? Yes, really. Maybe you're right. A woman like me might just need a strong man to protect her, if you get my meaning. Jane looked at him solemnly. Okay. Awesome, like my kid would say. Paul was flustered that this woman actually seemed interested in him. He was actually just playing with her a bit at first, but now? Maybe. Jane glanced at her watch. I really do have to go to work now. Why don't we get together later and talk more? How about tonight? Paul asked. Fine. Meet me at Woodsbury, 9.30 tonight. Why Woodsbury? I like the woods, Jane smiled. One gets more privacy. It's quiet, and there are no interruptions. Yeah, okay, I guess, Paul shrugged. I'll see you there, then. Thank you for breakfast. Jane waved at him with her fingers and walked away. Paul admired the way she walked, her long brown skirt hugging the back of her legs, her ass wiggling with just a tilt. He smiled to himself. Hot damn. He was going to get some pussy tonight. He frowned suddenly as he realized he hadn't asked her name. He jumped up and ran out the door after her, catching up as she was getting into her car. He grabbed her elbow and spun her around. Jane scowled at him, then quickly smiled when she saw it was Paul. Yes? I feel stupid, but, uh, what's your name? Jane. Paul smiled. Just Jane? No last name? Yes, just Jane. Plain Jane. She smiled up at him. Well, you sure ain't no plain Jane to me. Paul leered at her, looking her up and down. Why, thank you, Paul Stone. Now I need to go. Yeah, okay, sure. See ya, Jane. Just Jane. Paul watched Jane get in her car and leave, not believing his luck. First the raise at work, and now this. Hot damn. First pussy for free since his wife died, and a looker at that. He stuck his fingers through his pants loop and walked back into the diner, whistling. Chapter 3 Maggie Shepard threw down the memo with disgust on her desk. How could he? 
that arrogant bastard. For the past four years, Maggie had been working at Willow Springs Police Department as the only female on homicide. She had been pushing for a chance like this, and now that bastard was going to take it away from her. She knew that being the only female was hell, but she never thought she'd get so little respect. But this was the last straw. She was going to end the chauvinistic game in that department. Maggie stomped through the hallways to Chief Edward's office. She knocked once and pushed open the door without an invitation. Edward was on the phone. He looked up at Maggie with a frown on his face and waved at her to shut the door and sit down. Maggie shut the door with a snap, sat down, and impatiently pushed her hand through her mop of short red hair. Edwards hung up the phone. Well, Shepard, I know you have a good explanation for the interruption. Maggie looked around at the cluttered office. Old, dusty trophies from Edwards' past baseball days stood on the bookshelf amongst old police manuals and law books. His floor was littered with scraps of paper thrown at the wastebasket and missed. An old typewriter with broken keys sat in a dusty corner. Maggie looked at the man behind the scarred desk, filled with old cigar butts and overflowing ashtrays and half-filled diet pop cans on it. Edwards fit right in. His appearance matched the office. Edwards stared back at her with cold blue eyes glittering and his fat red face. His straw-colored hair stuck up on end. What was left of it? One pudgy short-fingered hand tapped on the desk impatiently. Well, Shepard? Maggie took a deep breath. It's the memo, sir. I don't agree with it. She sat up straighter, ready for a fight. You don't? No, this is my case. I'd like to finish it. Jones is more dependable for the type of case. I got plenty of others for you to work on. Edwards dismissed her by opening the ledger before him. Maggie stood up and started to open the door. She turned back to him and walked to the desk and leaned over him. No. No? That's right. No. This is my case. I'm just as good as Jones. I started it. I want to finish it. Now listen here, Shepard. Maggie interrupted him. No. I refuse to give in again. I worked hard for the past four years. I've been quiet every time you've given one of my cases over to one of the men. But this time, I'm going to finish what I started. Edward sat back in his chair, his face turning purplish with anger. She stared at him. Give me this one. If I screw it up, then I'll admit it and not bother you again about it. Okay, Shepard. I give up. Maggie's mouth dropped open in surprise at his quick change. You can close your mouth. You've got your case, but I want a daily report on everything. And I mean everything. Yes, sir. Thank you. Maggie's shoulders started to relax. If there are any problems, I want to hear about them first, not read them. You got that? Yes. I also want you to work with Jones on this. But, no buts. Jones has been on similar cases like this and knows all the ins and outs. No problem. Oh, sir, but I'm still in command of the case, right? 
Yes, yes. Jones is going to be your partner. I'll talk to him about it. I'll tell you, though, he isn't going to like it. Maggie let a little smile grow on her face. I think I can take care of any problems there. She had dated Jones briefly a year back, and she knew all of his weak spots. Good. Glad to hear that. So now that you're back in the case, what do you have for me so far? Maggie sat back down and flipped open her notebook. Well, we got an ID for this man. The killer left the victim's wallet. He's from Chicago, single, no children, and his parents have already been called to fly in to identify his body. They should be here later this afternoon. I got Bob picking them up at the Green Bay Airport. Good. Any photos? The coroner's report? We got the basic photos. I'm planning to go through them this afternoon. Susan's busy till 6 p.m. tonight, and I have an appointment with her then. She'll have the autopsy ready for me by then, she said. Okay, fine. Go back to work now. Maggie stood up and went to the door. Before she opened it, she turned to Edwards. Thank you, again. I won't disappoint you. Yeah, whatever. Send Jones in. Edwards picked up the phone and began dialing. Yes, sir. Maggie shut the door, leaned against it, and smiled to herself. She was more than ready for this case. She could finally show these men that she could handle this as well as them. Maggie went back to her desk and picked up the folder containing the photos of the victim. She looked at each one more closely. Something about them bothered her. She didn't know what it was, but a feeling was starting to tickle the back of her brain, and she figured it would come out soon. I hope you enjoyed the first three chapters of Jane the Ripper. They gave us some insight into the kills and the mindset of Detective Maggie and Jane. You will find Danielle Nabert's other novels on Amazon. She has a vast collection to choose from. Many are free to read with Kindle Unlimited. To keep up with various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow My Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively, or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash Cherish Lively. Do you want to be part of My Secret Obsession? I'm looking for secrets and tattletales to read aloud on the podcast. Do you know any small town secrets? Have you had a brush with danger that rocked your world? Are supernatural activities or hauntings keeping you up at night? Write your story and send it to my secret obsession podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>